Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Phil at the Movies. I'm your host, Phil Walsh, and you are listening to episode number 39 of this ongoing podcast series dedicated to the movies, the good, the bad, everything in between. I talk about it all on this show, or try to at least, for it's all about the love of movies, and that is no more evident than with the two films I'm going to be talking with you about in just a few moments. Those films are Knives Out and Glass Onion, the two fantastic murder mystery whodunits by Ryan Johnson and starring Daniel Craig as the great detective Benoit Blanc. But before I dissect these two films, let me begin with just a little bit of housekeeping to start the show off. First off, Happy New Year. Welcome to the first show of 2023. I hope you and your family had a great and relaxing and enjoyable holiday season and that 2023 is off to a fantastic start. May this year be filled with excitement, adventures, and a lot of great movies. Certainly a lot of great films on the horizon. And I will be getting into more of them on next week's show as well as some updates for this show and where I see it going over the next year. Because interestingly enough, next week will be the one-year anniversary since I started doing this podcast. And sometimes I can't even believe it's been a year. At the same time, it's like, wow, where, where, where did the year go? But in any event, next week's show will be the one-year anniversary uh, since I started it. And like I said, I'll be talking about the year ahead in movies and where I see this podcast going over the next year uh, on that show. So stay tuned. Uh, you'll have to have to tune in next week for all the exciting updates and uh, plans that I uh, that I have in store, hopefully, uh, for the, the new year. But in any event, if you have not done so already, feel free to rate and review this podcast. And of course, I would encourage you to subscribe and as well as uh, pass it along to family, friends, anyone who you think might enjoy listening to a passionate movie buff go on and on, perhaps too long at some points, over his love of movies. But in any event, let me just say, as I often do at this point of the show, thank you to you, the listeners, for your continuous support and warm response and embrace of this podcast. It's been a passion project for me. It will continue to be a passion project for me. But just to have the support of you, the listeners, and all the great connections and friendships that I have made along the way over the last year, it has just been all the more worthwhile and enjoyable. But thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in and listening each week and hearing what I have to say about movies. It really means a lot. So thank you once again. All right, now that we have uh, taken care of the opening remarks, let me begin by discussing Knives Out and Glass Onion. Now, full, full uh, spoiler alerts ahead. I will be getting into details on both films. Um, I, I, I'll, 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 let me preface. I won't necessarily be revealing... Um, you know, the, the, the twists, if you will, though they are magnificent in both films, but I, I you know, may you know, inevitably bring up key plot points. So if you have not seen either of these films, I mean, first off, go see these films. If you enjoy funny, sharp, 
mystery films or, or just a lover of great films with impeccable stories and fantastic cast. These are films I would highly recommend checking out. But in any event, uh, I may be uh, getting into some plot points throughout my uh, my monologue, if you will. So you are you are warned at this point. Uh, spoilers potentially ahead. But in any event, um, because both both films really overlap, not necessarily in terms of of story, though the character, the detective Benoit Blanc played by Daniel Craig is the the connection between Knives Out and Glass Onion. The themes that are explored uh, in Knives Out and Glass Onion overlap uh, to varying degrees, even though uh, they are totally different and and standalone stories for each. Uh, First off, I have to say major props to Ryan Johnson and his ability to not only tell a, a smart and funny and and really mysterious story. I mean, both of these films have a great murder mystery element to them, and yet he's able to subvert our expectations, especially if you're a fan of this particular genre. He's able to subvert expectations. So just when you think we're about to go left, we cut over and go right, or, or vice versa. And that is something which can be difficult to pull off, particularly with a, a murder mystery whodunit, because sometimes the twist can seem rather obvious or almost uh, like a blaring sign right there in your face. Johnson's able to weave his twist in through the story so that it feels organic and natural, and frankly, much of it comes from these characters and, and really the the smart characterization. We're not dealing with cardboard cutouts, which can be seen in these types of films or even in, in stories. I mean, there's usually an ensemble cast in a in a murder mystery, and a lot of times you have. You know, you know, different archetypes, or I might even say cardboard cutouts uh, of, of characters, and it's really more the, the, the kind of the, the plot running around them instead of the characters running around the plot. And, and in this, in both particular films, Johnson is able to sort of take the you know the archetypes of, of characters that we might find in, say, an Agatha Christie novel. And kind of subvert them, make them relatable, make them stand out, but then have the story kind of run through them in a way. So kind of how the characters react, how the characters interact can almost play a part in the way the story uh, is told and ultimately the outcome is shaped rather than just sort of a character coming in to you know say a few lines or or check a box in the kind of plot points for a uh, quote-unquote murder mystery these films uh, frankly are much more serious in, in their in their execution even though uh, much of the uh, the story and the characterizations uh, you know bring out great laughs and are and have great comedy uh, with them but uh, why these films why these films work why they have they have struck a chord with me is that 
They're taking the murder mystery story, you know, the, the, the classic whodunit that we've seen in dozens and dozens and dozens of movies and TV shows and books and miniseries and the works. I mean, we all know the basic premise. You have a situation where there's a crime, usually a murder, because that's dramatic and, and, and raises the stakes for a story. You've got a whole cast of suspects. You have the sharp and clever detective who is brought into the scene and then usually has to quickly deduce which one uh, of the characters uh, is the killer and then a series of events and then of course the detective makes the big revelation at the end and it's the aha moment and everything works out well on on the, the on the face of it those elements those tropes those situations are present in both films but what makes this movie or these movies different from what had come before? Because it's, it's a fair argument to say that, that the, the murder mystery, the mystery film genre had kind of been uh, you know, dead for a lack of a better word uh, prior to Knives Out. And, and Ryan Johnson came in. And, and shot it, uh, shot some life into it, and and brought it back to life, kind of uh, you know like a great magician. And here it is now, uh, prevalent and part of the, uh, the the cinema experience again. And I think why Knives Out again being the first one, kind of you know struck in the way that it did, and why we now have Glass Onion, and and then soon I'm sure a third, and maybe a fourth. I mean, as far as I'm concerned. We could have as many Benoit Blanc mysteries uh, as Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig want to do because they're just, they're fantastic. But I think why that first film works so well and why the second one uh, works so well is that you have the murder mystery story, but it's updated. Okay, like I said, the tropes are there. We have the detective, we've got the ensemble, we've got some kind of an elaborate setting or location, but the update which is really the the main crux of it the real you know x factor the, the you know the raison d'etre if you will the the update is the story in the films takes place namely in our world now what do i mean by that you know, we're not dealing with a you know a stuffy period piece uh, we're not having a you know, seeing a wannabe version of clue or uh, the you know the classic gothic mansion situation what you have here is a sharp and articulate set of films which offer a unique commentary on the social and political cultures of our day and, and that's really a, a, an interesting twist on the genre kind of a twist uh, on itself these films, which in many ways have a timeless quality because they they are, you know, it's the setup. You've got the murder, you've got the, the, the clever detective, you've got the, the, uh, the uh, suspect list. You've got all the, the workings that are found in, in countless Agatha Christie stories, movies, etc. Well, what makes this different, as I said, is that we're getting a sharp commentary on sort of our world today, our situations, people in our world, real life characters, if you will. And start, of course, you know, with the first film, 
Knives Out, which starts with a, again, a clever premise. Uh, we have this uh, famed mystery novelist uh, named Harlan Thromby, and he is found dead of an apparent suicide, but quickly it's uh, you know, believed that it, it may not have been a suicide, but may in fact have been a murder, and it's this whole elaborate uh, uh, case of deduction uh, with Benoit Blanc, played of course by Daniel Craig, trying to get to the bottom of it, and him kind of you know, weeding out the list of the family and, and seeing who might have a reason uh, to, to want Harlan, Harlan dead. Well, that film, again, putting aside the, the classic detective mystery tropes, really offers a unique commentary on wealth and old family money and kind of what goes on within the dynamics of these very large and extensive families that generally have uh, a lot of money that's then inherited to and, and passed along uh, to the, the next generations. And what is so uh, sort of just interesting of itself is it really is kind of a, a mirror, if you will, to the society today. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, at the at the time, you know, say, you know, go back 25 years ago, if you were to do a, a murder mystery in kind of a, an old New England style home with an old New England style family uh, with inheritance, you kind of get a, a straightforward A to Z storyline. But this film kind of peels back the layers uh, of that premise and instead kind of asks the, the, the bigger question and said, okay, like, who, who's really to blame here? Who's really at fault? Who's really uh, responsible? And that's that's kind of a kind of a fun, thought-provoking exercise because most of the time with these movies, you know, you you watch the film, you you figure out, okay, you know, there's there's the the culprits revealed, and then you don't you don't rewatch it, like I mean, because you you know the setup, you know the execution. And what's unique about these two films is that even though you know what's going to, to happen at the end of each one, how you get there and the subtle nuances that are, are sort of carved throughout each scene and, and, and each you know, kind of line of dialogue almost offers a new clue and revelation. And so even if you were seeing the film you know, for the third or fourth time, it still feels like a, a new experience because there's so much detail and attention paid to, again, just stuff in the background. A line, uh, what may seem like a throwaway line, the way a character looks at someone in a particular scene. All of that kind of enhances the rewatchability of these films. So not only do you get to enjoy the experience experience of the, of the mystery again, but... You also get to sort of look at the bigger, the bigger story, and that bigger story is really the commentary that that Johnson is is portraying. And so you have this this family, the Thrombies, which you know at the start of it you think, oh, these these poor people, you know, their, their father, you know, has killed himself, or maybe he's been murdered. But yet, as the story starts to unfold and the layers get peeled back, 
you really see that these people are a pack of vultures. You know, they're they're only concerned about money. They're only concerned about their own status, their own uh, stature, if you will. And one of the great you know, points in the film is that it's revealed at, at a will reading scene that Harlan, the grandfather, cut everybody out of the will with the exception of his his nurse uh, played by the great uh, Ana de Armas. She's the only one that is going to inherit anything that Harlan has left behind. He's cut out his entire family, his grandchildren, brother, uh, uh, son-in-laws, daughters-in-laws, everybody's off. And it just sort of shines a spotlight on on these families. And it's almost this sort of you know, this righteous indis, uh, indignation that they have are like, oh, my God, the, you know, essentially the help is going to be taken care of and, and we're being left out in the cold. And, of course, you know, they're all wealthy and they're all uh, established in their own rights in part because of their father and grandfather's generosity and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, donations to them over the years that but yet they can't seem to wrap their heads around the fact that, you know, somebody else could come in there and and, and, and have a claim to what they perceive as their fortune. And it, it's really sort of it's interesting because the character of of Marta played uh, fantastically by by Ana de Armas. She's really the, the the focal character in this story. Uh, Benoit Blanc, the detective, he's more off to the to the side. He's more the observer. She is uh, she is the the POV character, and we we the audience are experiencing this incredible journey and 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 uh, you know mystery, if you will, through her eyes. And she's the one, of course, that's caught up into it because. Part of the, uh, you know, the, the the revelation is is that on one night when she's administering his uh, medication, she inadvertently, or so she thinks, gives him the wrong doses doses of medicine, which in turn uh, uh, will lead to his demise. And so Harlan, rather than uh, you know summon for the family or summon uh, help uh, from nine one one, knowing they won't get there in time devises this plan where he doesn't want her to take the blame for what was clearly an accident and looking out for her and her family because they're undocumented he decides that he is going to sacrifice himself and and essentially kills himself in order to protect her well of course you know that's where everything goes to hell in a handbasket and it's it's just sort of you know, again, it's a testament to Ana de Armas, but it's it's just a a wild ride that we see this this poor character who is just sort of you know thrown into the situation unexpectedly, not asking to go through it, wants to to uh, to uh, try to set things right, and yet things keep kind of you know shifting beneath her feet throughout the entire thing. But ultimately, she's you know of course able to to prevail and and, and rise uh, above it, but. You know, it's sort of this interesting uh, uh, dynamic between her and the family who, you know, at the start, they, you know, they're very kind to her. and Oh, you know, she took good care of our father. And, you know, it's like, oh, good for you. Now, here's a cookie kind of mentality. Uh, when in actuality, once they find out that she's going to inherit everything, you know, the knives come out, so to speak. And, I mean, they they turn into these these just awful monsters and it's again i think a you know a commentary on 
sort of wealth and privilege and, and old money, but also on sort of selfishness and, and human nature where people will turn uh, quickly once they feel they're being uh, once they're being cheated or once they feel that someone undeserving uh, is getting something. And, and in this particular case, uh, the character of Marta, you know, she's this this selfless person. She's, she's you know, cared for this old man for many, many years. And again, never asking for anything in return. And yet his own flesh and blood, his family always has their hand out. Oh, please give us more, Dad. Please give us more. Oh, so-and-so needs uh, this set up. I mean, it's just it's just great uh, you know, situational drama that ultimately has a great uh, a great payoff. And Again, without getting into the the, you know, the, the revelation of, of, of the killer and and and, uh, and all of that, the final scene of this film, I, it, it's still my favorite one of the, of the two, because once the dust has all settled, and uh, the killer has been caught and uh, and the mystery has been solved, you know what was uh, what was read in the will still stands, and there is a scene where. Everyone in the family, the Thrombies, are outside the ancestral home, and they are outside looking in, essentially, as Marta stands on the balcony uh, holding a cup of coffee uh, that reads, My House, My Rules, My Coffee. And it's sort of this odd flip because throughout this whole film, you know, she was sort of, you know, being looked at and and looked down upon and you know now the the tables have been turned and and she's the one kind of you know <laughs> looking down at them she's the one who has the leverage she's the one that has the advantage and it just sort of shows a a, a really cool flip and reversal and you know that that kind of stuff is i mean that's worth the whole price of admission as far as i'm concerned but i know that that final scene has just stayed with me especially now after after having seen the second one it was just a a perfect ending uh, uh to the film I and mean, you've got the rolling stones uh in the you know playing in the background and you know you just have this family you know you know literally and 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 metaphorically outside in the cold and they're just sort of shocked at what has uh what has happened to him and 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 marta can kind of for the first time in her in her life just sort of sigh and and, and take a take a deep breath and you know that kind of stuff just sort of you know just enhances you know what is otherwise uh, a murder mystery film and that's what i think elevates these movies in a way that you don't always see uh with the genre is Johnson's able to take the concepts that we know, the situations, the characters, and then give it that that twist and give it that uh, just sort of raise the bar uh, so it becomes not just a great mystery, but but really a great story with with a whole lot of different themes and, and messages going on and, and characters that feel that feel both real and, and living in a world that is, quote unquote, lived in. And and on that 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 notion of uh, of the characters, one thing that is uh, you know clear in both films, you have such a stacked cast, and and I mean it, the the cast in both of his films, I, I mean just bravo, bravo. I mean, you know, to say you know to say you know nothing uh, about Daniel Craig because I will certainly have a moment to, to to speak about Benoit Blanc in a moment. I mean, just in the first film alone, you've got Anna, uh, Ana de Armas, you've got Chris Evans, 
You've got Jamie Lee Curtis. You've got Tony Collette. I mean, wow. And, and again, nobody is is there, you know, just for like a quick little, oh, that person was in the movie, then they're gone. Like These are fully fleshed out characters, and they all have a lot of, you know, kind of uh, weighty scenes and meaty scenes uh, to play with. I mean, Christopher Plummer's in it. I mean, just like incredible actors and I think that's what sort of again elevates uh, these films from just simple you know murder mystery films with, with something to say they've got a fantastic cast I mean in the second one Janelle Monet, Kate Hudson, uh, Dave Batista, Edward Norton I mean just incredible actors and again no one is sort of playing a character type and I, and I think that's Another testament to Johnson's writing is that no one's here just playing the you know the sort of the the cardboard villain or or, or the uh, you know the red herring character. These are all fleshed out and, and fully developed characters. Because one of the knocks that you can sometimes find uh, in these particular films or stories are characters that are flat or characters that don't have much to say other than to serve the plot. There, there is not a character. In either film, I feel that that, that is there to serve, uh, you know, just the the plot, but but actually are con- contributing to the overall mystery, but also have their own situations and have their own quote unquote lives and, and development. And you know, we're sort of just invested in their stories as we are in in the overall mystery. And again, that's you know a testament to Johnson's writing, of course. But again, the fact that you have you know these big-name actors and actresses coming in there and playing these roles. Again, it just sort of enhances the overall uh, viewing pleasure. And, and I, you know, my, my mind is already turning, like, you know, who are going to be the uh, the big names for the inevitable third film? Because, I mean, that's that's like part of the, uh, the, the draw is that you not only have a great story and you have a great setup, but you have a great set of characters. And, you know, in, in looking at the two films because I mean again both of them have as I said a stacked cast but in looking at it uh, kind of in comparison side by side I think I like the cast or in this case the cast and the characters more in Glass Onion versus Knives Out and that's not to diminish anybody in Knives Out that's not to diminish um, the characters in Knives Out I mean Knives Out primarily focuses on Ana de Armas's character, Chris Evans, and 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 uh, Daniel Craig—they're kind of our three leads in the first film, and everyone else is much more of a supporting character. I would say Jamie Lee Curtis and and Tony Collette kind of have the uh, the biggest uh, uh, impact, so to speak, uh, in terms of uh, uh, you know uh, memorability. But um, uh, for the for the second one. Yeah, Glass Onion, it is much more of an ensemble piece because everybody is really, you know, everyone is really there and involved and entwined in this story, much more so than than even in the first one, which, again, you've got a family situation. This time you've got a whole bunch of friends that are connected through a bunch of shared experiences, uh, and, and it's mainly through uh, the, the character uh, of Miles Braun, played by Edward Norton. And, and kind of just in looking at both of them, I think Knives Out, I mean, number one, the comedy is, is like, 
kick to an 11 in this film, but it's never like, you know, outright like, oh my God, you know, just, you know, belly laugh for a minute. Like, I mean, like it's all very grounded within the story. It never really breaks the tension or breaks uh, what's going on with the narrative. It's all very uh, even keeled, which I appreciate because sometimes, you know, you can go almost too far and it takes you out of the situation. I never felt that, you know, somebody was, you know, going uh, too far with the comedy or too far with the jokes. Everything felt in balance and kind of in keeping with what had been established in Knives Out. But like with any sequel, you just crank it up a few more notches. But, I mean, the cast, dear God, this film, you know, Kate Hudson, Edward Norton, Catherine Hahn, I mean, just a, a fantastic ensemble. And, again, much like in the way with the first film, nobody is, is sort of phoning it in and nobody's there just to, to sort of check a plot point. Everybody is much is as much involved as, as the main uh, cast. I mean, certainly uh, in in Glass Onion, it would you know, be uh, Janelle Monet and Daniel Craig who were kind of you know the, sort of the two uh, you know, headliners, so to speak, uh, in terms of, uh, of of prominent characters. But everybody kind of has a has a part to play. Everybody has a uh, has a has a scene to. Uh, to uh, chew, if you will, and, and again, it's all done to kind of enhance that particular story. And in thinking about the story, I mean, you know, I was always wondering, okay, you know, because I enjoyed the first film, so like, how was the second one going to to top it, or can it top it? And you know, I, I I'm st- I still go back and forth. You know, full disclosure, I, st- I still haven't made a final decision of which film I like best because I, I really do it sounds like a cop-out but I really do enjoy both of these films equally and for varying reasons I mean Knives Out is is very much a, a traditional murder mystery whodunit it's it's very much it checks the familiar boxes again it's 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 been updated but but it's much more uh, akin to something that had been established Glass Onion just sort of blows up the canvas in a way that I don't know. This is a film I've watched now three times, and I don't. I still can't seem to shake it. It is such. It is such an. I don't even want to say it's an. It's. It exceeded expectations uh, in ways I did not think possible, and I think part of that is. You know, nobody is phoning it in. I mean, again, the cast, everybody is is operating on, on, on a scale between one to ten. Everybody, everybody's at an eleven or a twelve. Uh, Daniel Craig just continues to prove that Benoit Blanc, this is the character that I think will be his legacy. I mean, I know he's been James Bond, and, and those films are are great, but this is an original character and. I, I think Benoit Blanc is easily one of the great uh, fictional creations of the last five years. He's just a fantastic detective, and I think in part because of of his his personality. It's he's it's Daniel Craig has come up with this sort of over the top. Uh, Southern, maybe you know, Kentucky-inspired uh, accent. That you know, again, I think you know, perhaps with another actor, 
you know, it, it might be too much. But he's found a way to just sort of strike that balance. And and in the second one, he really has much more to say and is, again, much more prominent in the story. I would say he's definitely the, the POV character. And he's a character you never get bored with because, I mean, number one, he's presented from the first time we meet him as this great, famous detective that everyone has, has known about. And, you know, that can sometimes just be a, a throwaway line. But Johnson, from the very beginning, was was very quick to to establish his uh, his prowess as a, as a as a detective and that's something that really shines through in in this particular one where even just when you think uh, Benoit Blanc has been foiled you know you know he uh, he's got another trick up his sleeve and again testament to to Daniel Craig for creating this character which that uh, is so memorable that that has uh, quirks and a, and a personality because oftentimes you know a detective can kind of just be a, a fill-in. I mean anybody can play uh, Sherlock Holmes, so to speak. Nobody else could play Benoit Blanc, and, and that I think again is a testament to the character itself and his originality and, and uh, memorability, but just the way in which Daniel Craig has uh, has chosen to play him and. I know. I I I hope we get many more films with him because each situation sort of enhances his his know-how and skill as a detective. And I mean, you know, again, I, expectations were were were, were met and, and uh, exceeded for this film. So I, I have I have nothing but high hopes for a uh, inevitable third uh, third outing. But in getting back to something I mentioned earlier about the subverting of expectations, which was definitely there uh, in a much um, less uh, prevalent form in the first film. But in the second film, I mean, it's just the, uh, the, it's cranked up to, to an 11. And part of that is there's a, a, a great twist and it goes on uh, an hour or so into the film, give or take. And essentially what we thought we know uh, up until a certain point is not what we know and, and the film does a great uh, kind of back shift at retelling a lot of events A. that went on before the film starts but then B. kind of retells events that we had already seen from an entirely different point of view and then in a sense changing uh, our, our perception on the story you know, again kind of Playing into that, uh, you know, metaphor of, of a of a glass onion, sort of you know, peeling back different layers and finding something else, and uh, and then realizing uh, it was always there to begin with. I mean, again, masterful writing uh, by by Johnson, and just sort of again constructing a narrative that again you think is going one way, and then boom, it's going another. And you know, th- this film. More so than than the than the original, um, which I think you know again is more of the of the updated version of of the murder mystery film. This one is you know has those those elements, but it is much more of a social commentary on today's society, on sort of you know on wealth uh, inequality, on corruption, on sort of larger than life 
characters and personalities that have a tendency to dominate our headlines and much of our culture. And and what Johnson is really doing is, is putting a magnifying glass on these on these situations, on these uh, inequalities, on these characters, and kind of you know forcing us, the audience, to really question what we see because a lot of times and, and this is prevalent in the film but you can sort of extrapolate it and put it into real life we often take what people say at face value we often take uh you know so-called uh you know self uh, self-professed geniuses and gurus as as as, as the be-all and end-all and we must bow down in their Greatness, or if somebody has a lot of money, therefore they must know everything. They've cracked the code, and this film is meant to to say, no, hold on a moment. Let's let's not just give out the prizes to everybody to anybody who walks in with a, a large checkbook. We should be careful to uh, scrutinize and really understand a people's motivations because everybody has an agenda. But also, B, is what's really there, there. And that is no more evident in Glass Onion than with the character of Miles Braun, who is presented as this uh, billionaire, tech genius, knows everything, you know, crack the code, all just knows everything. The media bows down in, in awe of his talent and, and genius. And society is basically going along with it. And through the course of the film, he is revealed to be nothing more than a than a fraud and a con man and really exposed for for who he is. And and yet kind of going back to the to the metaphor of of the glass onion, which sort of encompasses the whole film, not just in the title. Um, As an aside, the character lives in this castle on a on a on an island with a, a glass uh, onion dome uh, over a portion of the house, so kind of you know really just feeding into the uh, to the symbolism. But this particular character, who you know we're we're just you know treated to in the in the first few minutes as nothing more than 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 a fake and a phony, it's only you know enhanced and revealed more and more as as kind of you know the onion layers are peeled back, so to speak, and we see that he is. He's done nothing in his life. He's accomplished nothing. His whole business empire was stolen ideas from his former partner. I mean, I mean, these are headlines ripped right out of today's today's newspapers. And again, I think Johnson, you know, in a much more uh, a much more blunt way than say in in uh, in Knives uh, Knives Out, which takes kind of a more nuanced um, kind of a critique to society. Uh, Johnson is really kind of hammering home his his point and message about you know what what's there may not actually be there or we should never take anything at face value and and that's you know that's a great theme and that's a great takeaway and just to sort of you know kind of put a you know put a real uh, uh, you know, final point on it throughout the film there is this recurring uh, mention and recurring reference to the Mona Lisa and part of the story is the character of Miles Braun has in his possession the actual Mona Lisa painting and, and he's holding on to it 
because the film is set during the height of the pandemic and the French government needed money. And so basically he's giving the, the French government money and in exchange he's holding on to the Mona Lisa while uh, the Louvre is uh, closed because of because of the pandemic. Well, the the Mona Lisa kind of serves you know both as 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 a as a metaphor for you know not only the the kind of excesses of of wealth and and pretty much how if you have so much money you can pretty much you know buy your way to get anything, but it really sort of feeds into the whole. Uh, the whole meaning of 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 this uh, of this famous painting, which again, it's the most famous painting in the world, and yet everybody has a different reaction to seeing it. Everybody sees something very different in it. Everybody sees something, um, you know, maybe that 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 wasn't always there, but maybe was there. You know, again, kind of that that layered meaning and. Again, I won't. I won't spoil it if you haven't seen it because uh, uh, the the ending is is really a fantastic payoff. But in any event, the painting is sort of this this representation of of sort of a the excesses, but also sometimes you have to look a little deeper. You can't just say, "Oh, well, this is just a beautiful, famous painting." Sometimes. There is something more there. And again, that something more can be both good or bad, but it all stems from actually taking a moment and actually looking at something. And again, I just, uh, Johnson in both films, you know, was able to craft a fantastic story, but I think in Glass Onion, he, he really raised the bar that, I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say it won't be topped, but it, it's hard to see it even. You know, meet, meeting this uh, level of uh, of greatness, but I mean, if it's if if there's a will, there's a way. But uh, I know th- this film, as I said, the, the murder mystery is, is entwined. It's a part of the story, but it's it's much more a commentary on kind of selfishness, on corruption, on individuality, on kind of knowing your your value knowing uh, your truth and knowing the truth and again i think the the, the title you know no one can figure out are they talking about the uh, you know the beatles song like like what what's going on here and it and it's all there you know it's it's all there kind of you know in in miniature and there's this this great line um, towards the uh, you know about middle way of the film where uh, the detective uh, Benoit Blanc says, "I like the glass onion." Now, notice I'm not doing the not doing the uh, the voice because I, I'm not Daniel Craig. But um, the line goes, "I like the glass onion as a metaphor, an object that seems densely layered, but in reality, the center is in plain sight." And I think that's really the big takeaway and the big theme of this film is that sometimes you know. A cigar is a cigar, so to speak, or uh, a con man is a con man. And, you know, you can dress it up all you want. You can put, you know, millions of dollars in front of it. It doesn't change anything. And I think that's what, you know, at the end of the day, Johnson is really kind of imparting on us, the audience, to be a little more skeptical uh, of, uh, of figures and situations in our society and, and to to always uh, be willing to question, to never just sort of 
blindly go along with uh, what is presented because that uh, you know that is not a road you want to go down. And you know, the, the the ensemble in in this uh, in this film is sort of wrapped around the finger of this one vain uh, billionaire con man, and they're all just sort of you know clamoring because he's their you know financial lifeboat in a way, and you know sort of. Again, just offers that commentary of how far people are willing to go, how far, you know, how much people are are willing to accept, and and you know what people are willing to overlook. I mean, I think again, if uh, if you know, Benoit Blanc is is a is one of the great fictional detectives uh, or fictional creations of the last uh, five years, I, I would also put Miles Braun uh, as another great creation. And because he he's a stand-in for many of the excesses, many of the uh, of the flawed uh, symbols and 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 figures that we see in our our world today. And again, I think the most the most interesting characters, the most engaging characters, have a a a degree of reality to them that that we the audience can identify. Now that doesn't mean they have to be carbon copy. Uh, caricatures of, of people we know in the real world, but the the, uh, the 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 sense of human nature or, or identifiable uh, uh, traits or characteristics uh, that you know that we experience in our day to day to day lives can kind of make these characters come to life and then ultimately make them make them memorable. And uh, you know that, that's I mean that's at the end of the day that's the mark of a great writer, but. Uh, in any event, I think that kind of you know, caps off all that I uh, I wanted to say on these uh, on these particular two films. So ultimately, I mean, where do I come down on these two films? I, I love them both equally. I, I really do. It is hard to to say to, to say one is, is better than the other because they're both crafty. They're both funny. They're both bold. They both take familiar. Uh, themes and tropes and and kind of subvert them in a way that feels fresh and, and innovative you know if I had to say like I mean I think knives out is set the set the standard but but glass onion kind of takes it and and, and runs with it so I mean again they're both they're both unique in the, in their own right I mean certainly, they're standalone. It's not like you know, necessarily one connects to the other, but uh, I don't know. They, they they just they work on so many different levels. I mean, the first film is a classic uh, update on the murder mystery. The second one is a much is a much bolder commentary on on society and, and our political and social culture, and 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 that's that's exciting. So I mean, I. I, I, it's it's probably ultimately a cop out, but I, I I do enjoy them both uh, equally. I mean, I I will say I think the cast and the ensemble in the second one is is better because they all have more to do and they're more entwined with the overall story. Uh, but I mean, beyond that, and I mean Benoit Blanc, I mean he's great in every one of them, but he, I mean Daniel Craig, really. You can tell he he is having a ball playing this character and is just is just living it up uh, in in Glass Onion. But I mean, just the writing is sharp, it's smart, 
and and there is no fat. Like like everything works to serve the story and overall plot. There's never any moment of excess. Even the funny character moments, everything is done to enhance this this overall uh, narrative and, and, and mystery and, and ultimately commentary. So highly recommend these films. I know we're going to be getting a third one down the road. I hope we get a third, fourth, fifth, as many as Daniel Craig and Ryan Johnson want to do. That's fine by me, but highly recommend these films and... If you are a fan of the of the uh, murder mystery genre, you will enjoy these films. And even if you're not a fan of the genre, if you just enjoy a smart, well-written, and, and, and well-acted film, I mean, this is your cup of tea. And as I mentioned at the start, the rewatchability is key. And, and you pick up different nuances, you pick up different clues, different scenes different lines have different meanings once you've seen the story from beginning to end it's fun to go back and experience it on a whole different level i mean with glass onion i i kept seeing different scenes different clues different nods and and really looking at the film in a whole different way and and that's exciting and so rewatchability is an absolute plus and with that i will say it is case closed on this particular show that wraps up today's episode. As always, thank you for tuning in and hearing what I have to say. I will be back next week, and it is the one-year anniversary of this show, so I will have a special episode for you at that point. Until then, everybody, be well, take care, stay safe, and go check out some movies.